You are Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Tough one to swallow out in New Jersey. Syracuse drops this one 79 to 69. And, you know, the game was a lot closer than that 10-point margin. Wouldn't you say, Tim? I mean, we'll, we'll get into everything here. I think everyone knows where we're starting off the top with this. It's This is a Joe Girard <laughs> podcast today. And we'll, we'll get into Girard. We'll also get into some of the other things that we saw from this team. Tyler Aki, Tim Leonard, we're with you on the Locked on Syracuse podcast. Catch us every single weekday, Monday through Friday. We're in your podcast feed every morning so be sure to hit that subscribe button wherever you get your podcast and also check out the show on twitter at lo underscore syracuse all right well we know where to start with this one like i kind of said joe gerard 34 minutes three points and this is a guy who last year at times felt like he was going to be the savior for this team and now i mean where was the the merit in saying that he deserved minutes i mean one of six from three one of eight from the field he, the three he hit, albeit it was an impressive one, it was, I mean, he maybe got away with a little bit of a push-off right before the half, but felt like that was the spark Syracuse needed, and they kind of played with it in the beginning of the second half, but he just shoots this team out of the game late late in the when it matters most. Well, the merit in him getting minutes is they have no other option right now without Buddy. I guess some people would argue you could play Woody in there, and but in terms of someone that, sort of can give you something on offense. I think Woody has been good, and we can get into him. But, yeah, I mean, Gerard stinks right now. It's a terrible funk that he's in, and it's a shame because they could have won this game easily. Rutgers, I don't think, really played that great. It wasn't like, you know, sometimes you lose games and and one team just shoots really well or you just go on the road and they're hot, and it's like, up, oh, you know, we ran into a buzzsaw tonight. That wasn't the case in this game, and they still lose, and – you know, my whole take going into this game was I won't be too upset if they lose. If they lose by 10, I said that on our last podcast or maybe two podcasts ago that, you know, if you're a fan out there, don't think they're going to win this game and don't get too upset if they lose. But I got to tell you, about midway through the game, my mind shifted because this felt like a game that we just could go out and grab and they just got nothing from Gerard all night. And he's offensively and defensively. He's the main reason they lost. Perspective's important here, right? Because this team was without two starters. One for reasons that I'm sure Jim Beheim is very frustrated with, with Buddy Beheim, And it looks like Syracuse is going to have him back on Saturday when this team takes on Boston College. So Buddy Beheim, I think, would have cured a lot of things in this game. He would have gotten them out of some offensive funks. And quite frankly, he takes the ball out of Gerard's hands for some of those shots, hopefully. So we'll see what happens when Buddy comes back. But you're without two starters. Meanwhile, Rutgers, sure, they're without one of their big pieces in Geo Baker. But Rutgers shot pretty well in this game, at least from, from distance. 9 of 24, uh, well beyond what we're used to seeing out of the Scarlet Knights. But getting back to Joe Gerard here. Here's the thing about Gerard, and, and <laughs> we had this tweeted at us, or maybe it was just tweeted in general, but... Go look at Joe, just search Joe Girard on Twitter and look at what was said. And, and I kind of joked about it like, well, he, he could have his own iteration of, of mean tweets with Jimmy Kimmel right. on the Kimmel show. Like that, the lambasting that he was taking on Twitter, albeit largely warranted, I would say, he, he played awful in this game. I mean, 
He sure yeah. he had the six assists. He only had two turnovers, but three points for a guy that you're expecting to be a star for you is just unacceptable. And he's got to get to the basket. This is a guy who can hover around 90% from free throws, and he doesn't shoot a single one in this game. I mean, you have to get to the basket if you're Joe Girard. Find a way. Because you you know what Alan Griffin did in this game? The first half, we were talking about this during the game, during our text chain. The first half was absolutely awful for Alan Griffin. But you know what he did in the second half? He found other ways to score. He found other ways to make an impact on this game. Whether it was he's coming off an off-ball screen. He, they had this beautiful sequence where... Griffin comes off an off-ball screen. He gets hit down low. Boom, easy bucket. And then yeah, they, they, they cause a turnover on the plays, other end. Actually. Yeah, th- there was some nice stuff offensively in this game. Like, let's be honest. So when I when I see that and, and Griffin's finding other ways to score, Joe, you got to do the same thing. You got to find another way to impact this game. Yeah, I mean, the, the tough part is they get a good game from Quincy. Marek starts out great. Griffin was great. Not great, but he in the late stages. Second half, he was great. He was good. Yeah, I, well, I think the first 25 minutes, it was like, oh my God, this is a train wreck watching him. You know, the turnovers kept adding jacking. up. He I mean, finishes. Have yeah, you seen a worse shot six. selection game in Syracuse? Oh, it's like terrible. in your time watching Syracuse? I have not. Because the, the jack up threes, we saw it from Griffin, we saw it from Joe. I mean, Joe had the one. <laughs> there was probably 25 seconds on the shot clock, and he's shooting so it from 35 feet out with a man in his face. What was that? I mean, who is? why does he still have free reign to do whatever he wants shooting the basketball? That needs to be taken away from him in the next practice. He he definitely, like, has always had a quick trigger and has taken some bad shots, and I get if you want to make that case. The thing is, he's not making shots right now, and what this is telling us is that when he's not making shots, he's not given you much as a basketball player because we know he's a defensive liability that's always been the case and his defense might have been worse than his offense tonight I mean Jacob Young I'll give him some credit I I said in the preview podcast Jacob Young is great off the bounce he can get to the rim really not that great of a finisher at the rim for the amount he gets there but he gets there and he makes plays and he was tremendous tonight but you also just have to give some of that to Gerard because all they did all night long was get Gerard in a screen action or just drive right by him with Jacob Young, and then he was setting up guys or sometimes finishing. He had one transition opportunity where he blew it. But on the Gerard note, his defense is terrible, and now his offense Jim Beheim said as much, too, after the game. Yeah, and I was happy to hear that from Jim, and I thought, you know, we were talking about this before we started. I was hoping that someone would ask a more pointed Gerard question. There was a couple, I guess, but... Like, a let's couple? dive into no, this the, some more. The, there was like half of one. Right, exactly. <laughs> it was bad. It, it was embarrassing to listen to that press conference, honestly. Yeah, we, we got to get in those pressers and maybe start asking some questions because it's getting a little frustrating to... I, I want to get his take on Gerard's offense, and I want to hear that, and we haven't quite heard it. And here's the thing, Ty. It's getting hard to make excuses for the guy. Like, I know a couple games ago you were like, I'm not that concerned. And I am I'm now. sure... Yeah, I'm sure I, you've I changed on that. Because, right. I, listen, I wanted to let him ease into it a little bit, and now he's going to – he had the good game against Niagara, and this was just awful because he was he was blowing it in every conceivable way. He wasn't getting to the basket. He wasn't hitting his deep shots, and his defense was the worst part of it all. It, it was yeah. a train wreck out there. And if they get a decent game from him, they win on the road against a top 25 team without two of their best players. It's so frustrating because 
we know he's better than this. We know it's a funk. I mean, I, I guess we know that at least that's my optimism shining through and, and hoping that that's the case. And I will say the part that drives me nuts. I know I, I'm going to just sound like a broken record here. I'm dying on this hill. He has not made a layup all year. They played four games now, three of them against inferior competition. And I don't care what Jim said in the postgame afterwards. Maybe some of these teams are looking a little bit better than we expected, but they're still not good teams that have no size. He should be able to get to the basket against them and score a freaking layup one time. He's played four games playing basically every minute of every single game. He's made one two-point shot, and it was 18, 16 feet away around a screen and elbow jumper. He you know who not we need on the shot. pod? Who? We need to get your, your guy, Eric Devendorf. You, you produce Devo's podcast. Get, yeah. get Devo on the pod, all right? Because we need to talk to him about Joe Girard because that's a guy who was a dog. And that, that's something that, that Joe Girard is made out to be. He's a dog out there on the floor. He's going to give you toughness every single game. And he, he it, right now it's between the ears with him because we know he's got talent. We know he can play. And, and let's be yeah. honest. This team needs Joe Girard to be great. Listen, I'm still sold this is a pretty good Syracuse team. They That's put the that thing. effort out there against the number 21 team in the country? If he snaps Without out of the your spunk, best players? Like they're, they're set. I really think this team could be a lot better than what we've seen recently. There were tons of positives in this game. And yes, they made tons of mistakes. And yes, it was a game that they should have won probably. And Rutgers sort of let them back into the game. And all that is definitely true. But the fact of the matter is, if Gerard is playing like he was last year, they win this game, and they're 4-0, and they might even go on and beat BC and be ranked. They're a ranked team, this... probably. Yeah, like, it's just a completely different... And I, I know it's only four games. Maybe we are overreacting. Like, I see some people tweeted us, like, he should be on Canisius. He should be on Stony Brook, Yeah, th- I mean, let's not That's act ridiculous. like the kid's worthless, okay? Yeah. Because he... we've seen him go out there and do some special things. All right, listen up. Hoops are here. I love it, you love it, and there's no better way to enjoy basketball season than with a mountain cold Coors Light in hand. It's the perfect time to unwind from a stressful time. And guess what? It doesn't get any easier with the holidays right around the corner. And also... Football's winding down now. We The clock is ticking in that department, so you better get your hands on some Coors Light, enjoy the remainder of football season, and enjoy the beginning of basketball season because we are on sports overload right now, and you need Coors Light to help you get through all of the fun sports watching. It's the official beer of watching any sport or any team just to drink beer. So with the holidays around the corner, it can be stressful for you, but fear not, Coors Light can appear at your door in just a couple of clicks. You heard that right. Ditch the grocery store or the corner store trips and let Coors Light do the delivery for you. That's right. It's not just your local restaurants that deliver to you these days or the Amazon carriers anymore. Nope. Coors Light can appear at your door in just a couple of clicks and boom, you're ready to chill. Go to get.coorslight.com and you can have a 6-pack, 12-pack, or even a 24-pack of Mountain Cold Coors Lights at your doorstep in under an hour. Go to get.coorslight.com. Again, that's get.coorslight.com. Celebrate responsibly. Golden, Colorado. Hey, Syracuse fans. Are you looking for a candy bar that is somehow healthy for you? Because I don't know why you wouldn't be. And if maybe that hasn't entered your mind yet, hopefully you would never turn down that offer. That is Built Bar. Built Bar is up to 18 amazing flavors now. They've got six new ones. Caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. Some good flavors to choose from there. You can make your own customizable box at BuiltBar.com. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft. They're easy to chew. 
and most importantly, they are great for the health-conscious guy. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Nothing like having a good Built Bar to help you get through the day. So go to BuiltBar.com today. Use our promo code LOCKEDON, all one word. You'll get 20% off your next order. Again, use our promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. When I look at Joe Girard, I kind of look at him through the same lens that I saw Trevor Cooney in his senior year, where, listen, Trevor was, a lot of times he struggled during the season, but he was one of the most integral parts of that team during the tournament run. And if Joe can show that he can be special in big moments, again, when I say special, I'm not asking for him to go out and get me 25, 30 points. I'm asking for him to be efficient, not be a liability on defense, and just play good team basketball. He played awful team basketball in this game. I know he had the six assists, but guess what? He also, like, the stats right now show you two turnovers. But if we count the bad shots that he took in this game, yep. that number's more like five or six. So yeah. that that's the real number of turnovers Joe Girard had in this game. It's not the two that shows up in the box score. It's the five or six when you count when you take into account the bad shots that he would heave up. And we tweeted out the thing from shot quality before the game today. He was 13th percentile in the entire NCAA in terms of shot quality this season per possession. So I don't know what he is now. We'll check it tomorrow. Maybe tweet I'm, it out I'm again. I'm really interested page. in that report tomorrow morning. By the <laughs> yeah, way. it's. It, it couldn't have gone up, right? Like, he, he did nothing positive outside of that 1-3. And I guess I will give him this. Part of it feels fixable. Part of it feels like he can get back to where he was last year because he's getting some good looks. And there are a couple times where he's just blatantly off on some of these threes. And you can tell it's a mental thing. You can tell he's getting in his head. But he's going around screens and getting looks from downtown. Now, there are some that are just bad shots. And that's always been the case with him. And now we're really getting a little more ticked off at those probably than normally because he's not hitting the open ones that can kind of counteract it a little bit. But as a guy that's billed as a shooter, he came to Syracuse. Last year, he shot at 32% from three. That's not very good. And then this year, he's, I don't know what he is right now, but I, I can't imagine the numbers are, are very good, obviously. I mean, he hit six threes in that one game, but outside of that, it has been dud, dud, dud in terms of his shot, his feel, his flow, his defense. I mean, the defense drives me nuts because that's the part that doesn't feel fixable. We've seen the book on that. And honestly, Ty, if I was thinking about this during the game, Rutgers, not a great team for exposing the 2-3 zone and exposing the top of the 2-3 zone. I know they can get by you a little bit, and they did a nice job of that getting it inside. And I guess they did shoot some threes decently well, maybe a little bit better than I expected. I mean, Ron Harper Jr., can someone close out on him? Yeah, but he was wide open. That's the thing. If exactly. I was watching I mean, uh, Iowa-UNC before, and Iowa, I mean, imagine if Iowa went against a 2-3 zone. They're knocking down well, we threes saw it last left year. and right. <laughs> yeah, we right. saw it. So, and it wasn't pretty. I mean, Ron Harper Jr., he's not some marksman, and, and he goes 5 of 8. And, and like, I've, like I said on the preview— Syracuse can be sort of that get-right team for anyone who's having trouble with shooting the three ball. And, and that was clearly the case. That's why I was so high on, in our prop shop picks, taking the over on, on the three-pointers is because the defense had proven nothing to me so far this season. And, 
I, I don't know. It, it's it's getting to a point of mega frustration right now with the defense. And, and, and Gerard's a big reason why. And I thought it was pretty telling, too. When you're looking late in the game and, and Gerard got pulled with 153 left. Now, I know he got put back in. And you can say it was for defensive reasons, but it kind of felt like that may have been Bayheim had just seen enough. And he knew that offensively he probably still gave him the best chance to get a bucket because we we have seen late in games where even when he is having a bad shooting night, he'll he'll dial up a couple buckets late and, and not pad the stats, but he'll end up going three for nine as opposed to one one of seven or something like that. I mean, they need his offense. He and killed the rhythm of that. Out of that game too like Syracuse was up three and then boom you get back-to-back terrible possessions from Gerard where he's chucking up shots and yeah, he and killed R- Richmond all had some rhythm bad of that game there and like I tweeted this- out our I was just gonna say I tweeted out our grades and I, I probably was a little too harsh on Kadari Richmond I think I put him as a C which I, I get why a lot of people are coming to his defense on Twitter and I totally get it I mean he the, the reason why I put it as a C is because around three minutes left, right before, or right after, I should say, that Gerard terrible shot that we all remember where he's falling away around a screen, barely even looking at the basket, chucks up a three, they're up three, and it was kind of the start of the unraveling. Uh, they finished on a 17-4 run in this game in the final five minutes and change for Rutgers. It was a You total know what that collapse. shot felt like? That shot felt like a Cam Reddish shot that we saw two seasons ago. where it felt like he... a Joe Gerard shot. Well, <laughs> yeah, but like... It was one of those things where, okay, you have the lead now, and your team's playing really well. Alan Griffin's looking great out there. He's a big reason why this team has the lead. But Joe Girard kind of tells himself, hey, I got to get mine. Like, I got to show that I'm a big reason why we won this game. And so he chucks up a bad shot like that. Like, it it reminds me of, remember when we talked with Zach Mahoney about DeVito and that one interception? I can't even remember what team it was against. But I just said, that interception that... Tommy DeVito threw hero felt ball. selfish. Yeah. It felt like hero ball. And at a time when he really didn't need it. And that's what Joe Girard was doing in this game. It, he killed all offensive momentum. This team was rolling. Alan Griffin was playing great. And then all of a sudden he disappeared because the guy who, listen, I'm not going to say it was, it was selfish on Joe Girard's behalf, but I mean, he he just tried way too hard to to put his own numbers up, and it killed everything that this team had going for it. Yeah, it was tough to watch. And just to finish my point on Kadari, he had two plays right after that shot from Gerard, right around the three-minute mark when they really needed it. It was critical offensive possessions. He took a contested three straight away. I don't remember where it was at in the shot clock, but I didn't feel good I, about I the shot I think that... Was actually a late shot clock. I think I remember what you're talking about. Yeah, that may have been a late shot clock one, like three seconds. Still left not the shot late clock. enough, I think, to to warrant the shot. And then I thought it was he, like three seconds. Really? Okay, maybe I'm off. But I, I remember a couple plays down the stretch where it just bugged me. What he it, it felt like freshman plays, and that's the thing. He's a freshman, so I'm I probably should have given him a little bit higher of a grade. Gerard is not a. He freshman. had five steals in this game. <laughs> five yeah, steals, seven great. assists. And his passing, dude. I mean, he's got great vision, and that's what they did. The one where he found Griffin to—I can't remember if it gave the team the lead. I think that bucket gave the team the lead, and then they had a big defensive. I think even Kadari got the steal and led Griffin on a a breakaway pass. But yeah, it—he looked impressive. He—he can play, no doubt. He definitely can, and. 
I think I'm I'm really excited about him. He's never going to be a, a guy that puts up 20, probably. He's not going to lead this team in scoring on many given games, but he does but a triple lot double for candidates. That, yeah, that, that's your guy right there. Yeah, for sure. I, I think his vision is great, and that's what Q's did better in the second half. I, I don't know. What was the final assist number? Let me try and find it. Okay, so they finished the game with 16 assists. 16. They had six at half. So... That was the thing that I, I noticed. a big The ball movement and getting Quincy involved in the second half were big adjustments that paid off tremendously. Because Rutgers, if you think about it, great one-on-one defenders, great perimeter defenders. So what do you have to do to beat them? You can't fall into isolation-based offense. That's what was bugging me about Alan Griffin and Joe Girard. They gave you nothing until Griffin went on that little hot stretch about midway through the second half. And they were just constantly going to isolation, which is a flaw of the Syracuse offense. But they did get into some nice set plays where Kadari made some nice passes. And, you know, Gerard did have six assists. I'll give him that. That's probably the only thing he did right in this game is he did create some plays on offense that way. But that's how you beat a team that has great one-on-one defenders. You have to pass around a good team defense like that. And they finally started to do that in the second half. And they brought, I mean, they should have won the game because it, it really wasn't like Rutgers they came out have. and played mm-hmm. great. And it's, I agree. It's, I mean, it's so frustrating. I'm not going to say Rutgers handed this game to them because I don't think that's true. I really don't. Yeah, because they think, play an ugly style just right. in general. Even when it, they're It's kind of well. like Virginia never hands you a game, right? You kind of earn every win you get against Virginia. Rutgers didn't hand Syracuse this game. Syracuse just played a lot better in that second half. And even at the, the tail end of the, the first half, too, I, I believe they were down 10 at one point near the end of the first half. And I said, all right, if you can get this to six, you're in a solid spot. And, and then they got it down to four at the halftime buzzer, thanks to that Joe Girard three. So it... it this game was not handed to Syracuse on a silver platter. I think to say that is is naive, but uh, Quincy was phenomenal in this game. I thought Allen played a, a heck of a second half, but just just to continue a little more with Gerard here. Sure. Does, <laughs> Why not? <laughs> does Jim send a message against Boston College? Buddy Beheim probably going to be back, knock on wood. Buddy is, Buddy's back for, for Boston College. Does Jim send a message and, and bench Joe Gerard for that game? For, for Should he and is will he, he? Is he a starter? I mean, I, I'm at the point I, I'd probably send a message. He was pretty That's critical with of him after the game. Yeah, I I would start Richmond at the point, and I play Buddy at shooting guard, and I keep the. I mean, especially with Sadibe out right now, why not? I think that's right now that is the five best players. When Buddy returns, you're putting you want to start the game with your five best players. And it's your, your best defensive lineup, which is the weakness of this team. Here's my one concern with that. Because, like we've said, Joe needs to be good for this team to be great. Yeah. And this this has the makings of a team that can be, I'm not saying like Final Four level, but this team could get to the Sweet 16 if Joe plays good, right? If, if Joe plays pretty well for the remainder of the season, this team has a, a decently high ceiling. So... With that being said, here's what worries me. I kind of brought up that the Cam Reddish thing earlier, and I want to further that a little bit. Remember there were times with that Duke team two years ago with Zion and RJ where Zion and RJ grabbed every single headline, right? In the games where it wasn't Zion, it was RJ. When Cam got the ball at times, he tried to do too much. And I'm afraid that might be a trap that Joe Girard could fall into where he says, I got to get mine, and plays a little Cam yeah. Reddish ball. 
And I think that, and he starts to press, and who knows, maybe he's swiping through social media. Maybe he is searching his name on Twitter. And that that's where you start to mess with a kid's head, a kid's psyche, he tries to press too much, and and that's where you see, listen, the, the train's off the track right now. You don't want it going into the lake, okay? Try to preserve what you've got right now and, and keep it off the track but not into the water. Yeah, you, you want to keep his confidence up because we need him. And if they want to get to their ceiling, then Joe Girard has to be playing at least to the level he was last year. You expected him. I had high hopes for him. Like, that's the thing. I'm a huge Girard fan. I, I really want him to be good. And no, Yeah, listen, everyone wants Girard to play well, all right? No, no right. one's rooting actively for Girard to go out there and suck. It's the dumbest thing. I see it all the time in sports. It's like, oh, well, you're rooting against this kid. No one's rooting against anyone on their team to play poorly. All right. Everyone wants these kids to go out there and do something special. It's just sometimes they're not getting it done and they have to be held accountable accordingly. Yeah. And I sound, I mean, I'm fed up right now because it's raw. The game just ended. And honestly, I'm fed up because these non-conference games are just always such a letdown these past five, six years. I mean, this is getting very frustrating. Like, I know Goody tweeted out some numbers versus ranked teams versus non-ranked teams, and I don't have it in front of me, but the stats were pretty glaring if you can go and find it on his Twitter page. And it's just getting to the point where, like, we're expecting them to underwhelm, and that's why I was pumping the brakes. Like, okay, we've been here before after Ryder. This doesn't mean that this team is going to be destined to be good. We can't say that because every single one of these Syracuse teams in the past six years has basically ended up on the bubble. They've underwhelmed to these non-conference power conference schemes like the ACC Big Ten Challenge, Barclays, Madison Square Garden. You go back to last year, it was the same thing. They start out the season good. You bring in Gerard. He was kind of like the Richmond of our comparison to this year where he's a new piece, a new freshman that people were really getting behind. They thought that this team could be something. We knew they could score last year, but then the defense gets exposed when it's Oklahoma State and it's Penn State. And now here we see it again. Like, I'm just, I'm sick of these non-conference games, man. I mean, they've got to, as a program, it's just disappointing to see how much they've fallen in the ranks since they went on that run uh, in the Bahamas before they went to the Final Four. It's like that. You know what I said on the defense, too? It's what I like to say, the zone melts at times, all right? I mean, Rutgers had some possessions where it was like, holy ball movement. Like, you see those those videos on Twitter from time to time of the old Spurs with Manu, Parker, Tim Duncan, like those teams, and the ball movement that they would have moving around the perimeter and just throwing teams off, and then you're getting a wide, wide open three, and it goes down every time. That's what happened. The zone melted at times in this game. It just got, and it's funny because at the beginning of the game, I don't know if you noticed this, but they kind of packed it in. It almost felt like, oh, yeah, for sure. Like they were playing very, very compact in the zone. They were not stretching out on three point shooters, and that's a big reason why Rutgers got out to that hot start shooting from three. They st- they began the game five of twelve from distance, so the zone was not as high as it usually was. That's something that I noticed. I think they were even inside the three point arc for a good portion of, of the, oh, that was, the first yeah. half. And then they stretched out a little bit. That was definitely a, a decision. And I, honestly, I think that was the right move. Because I do the too, bigs yes. In no, I'm not going to, yeah. Yeah. The, the bigs for Rutgers weren't as active and weren't as impressed. much of a yeah. problem. Yeah. I mean, and, Cliff Amore didn't shoot a single shot in this game. Right. He, he was largely ineffective. He had 15 minutes, zero points. Now, now Miles 
Johnson came in and gave him a little something. He had a double-double off the bench in this one. Um, and especially late, he was good and, and and put together some impressive plays for them. But the, the zone melted at times in this game, and I, you just saw the collapse happen. And you knew when it was happening, too. And it's just a wide-open three. And, and credit Rutgers, when they had wide-open threes, they hit them in this game. Yeah, we can get into some Twitter responses in a little bit. But I will say, Woody Newton, very nice game from him again. I continue to, to bump, like, him up another peg. I think his stock continues to rise. A little puzzling, Beheim didn't go back to him after the great start. And I thought it was weird he put in Braswell for a couple minutes. I just... I did see I'm that. Kinda I thought that Braswell. was strange, yeah. Yeah, like, Newton is so much better than him at this point. And, and I know Braswell is, is an upperclassman, and you kind of want to get something out of him. But I almost just say pull the plug, which is weird that I'm saying that, because with Jim, it's usually the complete opposite scenario. But... It's crazy. I mean, John Bolajak, Woody Noon, first two off the bench. I imagine and credit I, I both know, of them. They played well too. Yeah, like I, I have no problem with it, but it's just shocking that it's come to this because of Sidibe out, because of Beheim out, and then I thought you know going into the year that Anselm and Edwards were ahead of John Bolajak in the center sort of backup rankings. Now I think we have to put John Bolajak first, and I would not have guessed that based on everything I read before the season and. And what I was hearing about Woody's game and, and where he is offensively, he's been much better offensively than I thought he was going to be. There's a spot for both Newton and, and JBA in in this rotation somewhere. I don't know if it's going to get stretched that thin when, when guys come back, but th- there's a spot for them. I'm not saying 15 minutes a game, but 5 to 10, yeah. give some guys a break. Maybe someone's in foul trouble. There's a spot for them, no doubt. So did you see this stat? I don't know if you saw this, Tim, but yesterday's loss for Syracuse marked the first day since December 3rd, 1988 that Bayheim, Coach K, and yeah. Roy Williams all lost on the same day. How about that? Three Hall of Famers all losing on the same day. Really tough start for the ACC in this ACC Big Ten Challenge. Only one win. Shout out to Miami for uh, holding down the fourth there and, and picking up the the lone win in the conference. But let's get into to some of these these Twitter thoughts that we've got on our account, at LO underscore Syracuse. So you put out your grades, and I I am going to disagree with some of your grades. First of all, I thought Quincy was was phenomenal in this game. He he, he got an A in my book as well. He, he was great. Woody, I think you're a little higher on than I am. You gave him an A minus. I'm probably giving him a It's a relative to B. expectations. Yeah. And that's fair. Right. Um. Dolajai with the hot start. I think he scored the first seven points in this game for Syracuse. Um, but then he got into a little bit of foul trouble. But he largely stayed away from it after. And, and you're yeah. just not getting the shot blocking out of him. And, and Jim knows that. Um, but you gave him a B plus. I would probably give him a B also. The the one the big one where I disagree with you is, is Alan Griffin. You gave him a C. I'm probably giving Alan Griffin a. I want to give him a. My heart is telling me to give him a B plus, but my head is telling me oh, to give no. him a B. I listen. You're forgetting about the first half, dude. He was yes, so but you bad know what? to start this game. What, was he bad in the first half? Yes, but guess what? Guess what he did that almost no one, and especially Joe Girard, didn't do. He made adjustments. And I, to me, that does so much in my book to understand where your shortcomings are and change that in the second half because he was a completely different player, and without him, they are not in this game. So, Alan well, Griffin. Yeah, I mean, out of volume, he has to be a factor. 
because they don't have Buddy and Joe's doing nothing, and he's really all they've got is an isolation score at this point because you're not, I mean, Quincy But he changed his game. He completely changed his game in the second half, and he tailored it to winning basketball. How many times did he force a shot in the second half? Listen, I'd have to go back and watch. A a lot. I mean, in the second half? Yeah, in the second half, he did not force many shots. No, 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 no. First oh, half, yeah. he was First awful with minutes, shot selection. The, the second half, he completely changed his game. He was scoring off of offensive rebounds. He was scoring off of cuts. He had the beautiful one down the center of the lane. He had a backdoor cut as well, and he was shooting good threes too. He did not have bad shot selection in the second half. I completely, the first 10 he minutes shot of six the second of 10. half. He shot six of 10 in the second half. How can you say he had bad, bad shot selection? Well, the turnovers, what was his turnovers at halftime? Because he finishes with six, and he had several in the second half. In the beginning, I, he had a great stretch from 10 minutes to five minutes, but that can't warrant and a without that, And, and guess what happened? Minutes. During that stretch, that is when Syracuse took the lead. I thought he was fantastic in the second half, and without him, I mean, he was rebounding the ball too. He was getting this team second opportunities. He had four offensive rebounds in this game. It, to he me, just has to be more patient on offense. It's, it's what Jim talked about. At and Illinois, part of that's the pace thing, too, because yeah. this team was once again, and part of it was the, the quick trigger shots, but the, the pace thing is going to stand with this team. Like, we talked about the Ken Palm numbers. I think heading into this game, they were 14th in the country in pace, which is, you never see this team in the top 100 in pace. The pace thing seems like it's, it's here to stay. Yeah, I, I think they want to play fast, but... I can't I can't get to a B plus with him. I thought he was basically an F for the first twenty five minutes of the game. He was terrible. And I thought he was excellent against uh who was it, Ryder in the last game. And his final numbers, like sure they look good, but I mean six turnovers is inexcusable and he just looked off. His shot selection was almost as bad as Gerard for the first twenty five, thirty minutes of the game. I, I just thought that the only reason Syracuse was in this game was because of Alan Griffin. And for that, I can't give him a C because if no, they I'd are say lead- Quincy was the reason they were in the game and Marek and mm, the fact that start, Rutgers well, doesn't have a knockout punch. I mean, Rutgers is just a, a really good defensive team that doesn't have much on offense. So it's hard for them to run away and hide. But who got hurt in the second half when it was, it was Miles Johnson doing a lot down low. And who's that on? That's largely on Marek and Quincy. It's not on, and listen, Allen, I think was all right defensively. I'd have to go back and watch it again a little more closely, but when I look at Alan Griffin, he is the reason that this team could take a lead. I, I think Quincy and Marek may be the reason you hung around, but without Alan Griffin, you're not taking a lead. No, he, he had a nice stretch. I, I'm confident in his future, but I mean, the first 25 minutes of the game was, I, I remember thinking at one point, I just hope this is the worst game he's ever going to play at Syracuse because nothing is going his way right now. And then it went the his adjustments way. adjustments to me are the thing that, that did it, that, elevates me into that bb plus range because he acknowledged i can tell he internally acknowledged that what he was doing in the first half was flat out stupid he could tell and he made adjustments he corrected that and that's why he was effective in the second half and that's why this team had a lead late in the game yeah so one guy at diehard cuse fan responded mike doe he said not bad although to our grades he was saying not bad in terms of what we gave him, or I should say my grades, I guess. But he said, although Griffin had seven turnovers, so I'd probably probably drop him to a D-. minus. I could get there. I would go lower before I went higher with him, honestly. And I, I think he actually had really? six turnovers. I, I, yeah, it, it was six was the final number. Again, 
you can't but like we can do with joe you can do the same thing with Allen with the the bad shots that he took in the first half and, and really it was probably more like eight or nine in terms of turnovers if you count those bad shots but to me without without Allen griffin this team never gets a lead in this game and we're talking about a team that that had zero business being in this game yeah and at syracuse tan zach firestone he's been tweeting us a lot we I we love appreciate that guy. the, the Listen, loyal guys. Yeah, I start to get into this hierarchy of of fans on Twitter that we interact with, and I gotta say, he he's a li- he's been late to the party. And what I mean by late to the party is that I think he just followed us, but he he's coming he's hot a and heavy. Basketball guy. Yeah, yeah. I, I I love Zach Firestone at Syracuse so, fan. Keep tweeting at us because I I love interacting with that guy during the game. He said in response to the player grades, he said, I gave Gerard an F. He said, Joe didn't even show up to class, so I can't really grade him. (laughs) His his attendance is faltering. Yeah, uh, but no, a lot of people responded and said Kadari deserved a little bit bigger of a a grade than a C, which I, I would actually probably change if I could go back in time, but... I don't know. Any other good Twitter response? We had one person tweet us, Lucas Satchel, and said, if Buddy is still not back next game, which I think we expect him to be back, but he said, I'd love to see a lot of the lineup of Richmond, Griffin, Newton, Garrier, Dolajai, which I guess you could just, if Buddy's taking a breather, he'd like to see that lineup a little bit. And I could get behind that because the top of the zone issues, they're not going to go away if it's, we know Gerard and Beheim struggle, and we know they struggle because of a quickness thing and a length thing a little bit more so with Gerard. So maybe if it's really a problem against a good shooting team, get creative. Go Griffin and Newton at the top of the zone. Go Richmond and Griffin, I think Richmond R- and Newton, R- that type of stuff. You, if you're facing a good shooting team, Richmond has to be at the top of that zone. Oh, yeah. Because the, and a lot he disrupt it. things. And, and again, it floors me that he's listed at six foot five. He's not six foot five. The kid's six yeah. seven. Just, just and look at got, him on TV. Uh, yeah, you know, I I think he he looks a lot bigger than than he comes across. We got at J A Cook fifteen Qs Jesse A Cook uh, said Alan Griffin's play was more inconsistent than the quality that. of the ESPN announcers. Which man, they were they were pretty yeah cool in the same quality. It was stuff. pretty tough. Yeah, I mean, yeah. John Crispin, what the hell was he saying? The the, the stuff with the <laughs> shot selection. He he was defending Joe Girard's shot selection by saying it keeps the defense on their toes. Yeah. What the hell was that? <laughs> that that was one of the dumbest right. things I heard all night, um, and one of the dumbest things I've heard during a Syracuse game. It keeps the defense on their. Did he was he watching the same shots? Like I get they're not at the game, but we're we're watching the same thing he's watching essentially. Yeah, and I mean, it started out rough when they compared the rack to Cameron Indoor about two minutes in. Like I get it, nice place to watch basketball. I think it was cool that Syracuse was back there for the first time in a little bit. We need uh, the definitive yeah. James Zuba ranking on the rack because I'm sure he's been <laughs> right. there and he loves. He he's got the the best rankings of college basketball stadiums. He hates Castle. He he loves Seton Hall, um, and of course he's got a soft spot in his heart for the Dome. We need to get him on the pod just to yeah. talk about this team right now and Gerard and everything. But uh, gosh, I just. Gerard is the, and I think my overall takeaway, the more I've talked it out here with you during this podcast, this team could still be really good. And I, I'm oh, not yeah. too frustrated. Like I said, going into the week, it's, it's a, a top 25 team on the road without two of your starters and without a guy that's very and integral. You know what? For Let, what you let's stop calling it two of your starters. You may have been missing your best player in this game. Yeah. I mean, no, I, I think, I think we can say that Bayheim 
to me, and Griffin are in a tier of leading the team and scoring on their own now. Until right. I see Gerard give me something that is of substance. Well, or, give I don't me a think Joe Gerard can, I say can, that? can lead this give team. Give me a layup, Joe. Come on. <laughs> like it's not that it's not as it's a point guard in a power five conference going up against weak teams. It's not asking a ton. Get to the basket, finish a layup off, and and start going to the basket more and, and improve your shot selection. If the shot's not working, find out alternatives to get to the free throw line. He has not done that. And, and again, that's kind of how some of these other guys ha- have changed their game. I mean, Quincy, he, he's playing physical out there. Alan Griffin changed his game, made adjustments in the second half. Marek, I mean, without without Marek to start this game, <laughs> what are we even talking about right now? So, right. Um, and then Woody Newton, um, it probably would have been nice to see one or two more of those threes go down. He had some open looks, um, but again, he's, he's young, and I think that, that shot's going to come around. Uh, real quick, just some some notes from the Bayheim press conference, and then we'll get out of here. I know we've gone long, but it's worth it's worth going over some of this stuff. Uh, he's he's gonna ride this no practice for twenty days for the rest Seriously. of the season. I mean, get get ready for that because we're we're gonna hear that in every single press conference the rest of the way that they didn't have those. They're not getting those twenty days back of no practice. Yeah, I mean he's he's gonna keep going to the well with that one. I. I thought the press conference was fine. He didn't really say anything about Gerard. I wanted to hear more about his offense. He did attack his defense, which was good to hear, because I think everyone could notice that, that that was a huge, huge issue in the game. And, again, probably going to be more of an issue against a good three-point shooting team. That was a huge flaw last year. It hasn't improved. And my whole logic for why they could take a big step going into this year was the defense will regress more towards the mean or, I guess, progress in terms of It'll be more like what Jim Beheim's defenses normally are, and that was an outlier last year. I'm still worried about the defense going forward, and I think they have to really yeah. start thinking about the three point shooting. There. I mean, when you see a team like Rutgers torch you on the threes, that that's definitely cause for concern. So, a um, couple other things. Uh, how about uh, Matthew Gutierrez? Maybe the best the best cut in, in the entire journalism business. That, that, that's a note <laughs> I took away from the the press conference. Goody looking fresh. And then I was watching this on the the Q Sports Talk Twitch feed that because right. there's no good way really to stream it. I think that actually might be the best way to stream. It. I don't know how it's you like were the only it, way. But, I think, yeah. but th- that's how I watched it. And uh, I, I saw in, the, in in on Twitch when you watch it on Twitch Twitch TV, you you can see there's a chat room on the side, and our guy Anthony DeBundo asks a question, and in the chat, this user Jigs Dad forty four comments debundo's digits so glad to see (laughs) that everyone out there is loving debundo's digits yeah now debundo i i don't know what he asked but usually has some pretty good questions too and and go give him a follow he he's awesome like i saw he was out there in in new jersey for the daily orange pretty cool that he got to go and um you know i i really do think like just as my closing thought here I want to make it pretty clear that this team is still, in my eyes, not ahead of the curve because, you know, the practice schedule and everything. And there's still a lot of things to cure up or shore up here. But Boston College Saturday is going to be intriguing. BC's look pretty good. We'll preview them probably on Friday. I'm still confident in this team because I do think Gerard can get to a point where he's giving you a lot more than what he's giving you right now. His defense is not. He can't play worse. He yeah, like it, his shot's got to start falling a little bit. I mean, it just has to. He's getting open looks, and you feel like he's a streaky guy that once he makes one, it could lead to some more and more. So 
I wouldn't panic too much. They they were expected to lose this game. They lost. It hurt a little bit more because the way they lost and that they easily could have won, I think, if they just got a little bit better game from Gerard. Right. And listen, it has to get better. It, it just has to get better. And hey, you know what? I don't know if you saw this on Twitter too, but Ben Walsh, mayor of Syracuse, he pointed out the silver lining in this. The last time Syracuse lost to Rutgers, what happened? They went on and won the national <laughs> yeah. championship. So who knows? Maybe maybe this could have been a, a blessing hey, in disguise. I don't know. But <laughs> if Joe Girard can figure it out, Buddy comes back and doesn't skip a beat from what we saw in the first game against Bryant, then maybe, just maybe, this team can be really, really good. Again, you and I aren't out on this team. I think I'm, – I'm not going to say this is a positive because it's never a positive when you lose a basketball game that you had, but – I, I saw things, and I still like where this team is and where they can be. I still think yeah, there's I've a lot more of flashes to take away. This year. And, yeah. like, Alan Griffin has been better than I thought he would be. Quincy has been better than I thought he would be. Marek has taken some sort Quincy's of step. Quincy's great, yeah. Kadari has lived up to the early hype that he's been built up to. And Woody Newton has been a welcome surprise. And John Polajak, like, I don't know how many minutes he's going to get, but... He's played like he belongs. He hasn't been a liability. Doesn't seem like that. So there's been more good than bad out of this team through the first four games. So we'll see. We'll we'll do our Boston College preview for you. We'll get you that on Friday. And then, of course, we will, we're will. we going to get into some basketball or some football thoughts rather tomorrow. And then we'll also maybe clean up anything we missed basketball-wise on tomorrow's show. But thanks so much for listening. Don't forget also tomorrow, Crossover Thursday across the Locked On NFL network of podcasts. Crossover Thursday, great way to get a quick breakdown of every game for your fantasy team, for your parlay, whatever. Crossover Thursday is only on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, every single day. So we will be back talking some football and also some last couple of of uh, hoops notes too and we have to take away a point in the scoop standings Tim we gotta do that tomorrow on the show so we will do that and tell you who's coming back who's not for the orange on tomorrow's show thanks so much for listening and we'll catch up with you on Thursday